Well, I have the amazing privilege this morning of introducing Claire to you guys. So, as a church, one of, the, one of the most amazing things about our job as the people on Egypt team here is that we get to work with some awesome people. But even more than that, we get to see God growing stuff in people that they never thought that they would see themselves able to do, able to be. We see God flowing through people and we see him bringing amazing things to the community to the people and places where people work. And Claire is such a great example of that. It's an amazing privilege to have got to know her over the last few years. Claire has quite a history with this church, don't you? She's going to share a little bit about that, so uh, I'm not, I'm not going to steal her thunder there. But Claire has a background working with vulnerable women. She's done that all of her working life. She's most recently been working with an organisation called Azalea in Luton that works with exploited women there. But it's been an interesting season for Claire recently. Again, she might tell you a bit more about that but we get but I, I get to do a bit of a formal announcement this morning that Claire is starting a new job soon as the wait for it associate director of women's aid so we are super super proud of Claire we are super proud of everything that God's doing and we are excited about hearing her come to speak so Claire come and join us let's give her a big welcome Oh, thank you so much for that, Kate. So, yeah, I'd just like to say that um, I was up very early this morning uh, thinking about this uh, speaking here today this morning, but I can tick some things off. One, my mic's working, so that's good. And I walked up the steps without falling over. So hopefully one of the other things was actually falling off the stage. So I'm hoping that that isn't going to happen, but we'll tick that off at the end. So uh, thank you. I'm so happy to be up here today. Uh, I'm going to be talking about recovery, which is a topic which I am passionate about, and it is my zeo. I love recovery, Um, so it's brilliant to be able to share that with you. Uh, I'm going to be sharing a scripture that's spoken to me, touched my heart, and taught me in my journey. So just before I start, I'd just like if we could all pray together. So dear Lord, thank you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this church family and thank you for a leadership team that wants to stretch us and grow in this church. And may my words be what you want me to speak. May I be a vessel for you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So, yeah, a bit of history. So I'm actually a returner to Zio Church. So I came to um, HCC as it was then 20 years ago. I was a young mum. My daughter was um, about um, four or five. And um, yeah, so I've seen quite a lot of things in this church. So I was baptised in this church by Tony Summerfield at that time. So the past 20 years have been a massive roller coaster ride. My life's been quite unconventional in quite a lot of different ways. Um, maybe I won't talk about those ways at the moment. <laughs> Thank you. But um, yeah, my faith journey has been absolutely amazing. Um, but one thing is that my journey has been a road full of twists and turns and full of roundabouts. I know it says in scripture that God has a straight path for us. Well, yeah, I'd like to say that I've walked that straight path, but no, that hasn't been me. It's been a lot, a lot of roundabouts going round and round in certain situations and actually going the other way in certain situations, which makes me think of the uh, magic roundabout at Hemel Hempstead. I don't know if any of you have been there where they all go round where I think that's quite a good thing of how my life's been. 
Um, so I just wanted to share something else about, um, Kate's mentioned that um, my life's work's been working with vulnerable people. And so uh, just a couple of years ago, I had the privilege of being asked to speak at the church that I grew up in. And I got the privilege to speak to the seniors group in that church. And when I got to the church on a Wednesday morning, it was in the old church hall that I grew up in this church. I went to this church all my young life. And although the church building had changed and been modernised, there were still pictures up there from when I was young. So it was a massive jolt. And sitting in the group, in the seniors group, was my old Sunday school teacher and my old youth club leader, who were both in their 90s. It was just amazing to see them there. And, uh, I mean, I remember I thought, I'm in my 50s, I thought they were old then. <laughs> so, yeah, so I saw them there. At the end of speaking, and I was talking about my work and the different things I'd done working with vulnerable people, my old Sunday school teacher came up to me and she said, in this really beautiful quiet voice that I remembered so much from when I was young. She said, I always knew you were going to do that sort of work. So I said, well, how comes that then? And she told me a story. She said that when I was, when I was four years old, we were in church and hard to believe, but I was very quiet. I was a very quiet, shy little girl. And there was a visiting um, vicar at the church. And what he did was he asked all... We were, the children were all sitting at the front, and he asked all the children what they were going to be when they grew up. And when he came to me, apparently I stood up, turned round and said in... faced the whole congregation, this shy little girl, turned around and said in a really loud voice, I'm going to look after the children that nobody wants. And literally, I've spent my whole life working with people that are hidden, people that have been using drugs and alcohol, people that have been street homeless, people that have been exploited, uh, people that have been trafficked into the country. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's very prophetic over my own life there. Um, so, everybody knows, anyone who knows me, that recovery is my passion. And recovery for people, I don't mean just abstinence from drug and alcohol or abstinence from behaviours. I'm talking complete transformation. My passion is to see lives completely transformed, for people to be living the abundant life, no matter what's happened in their past, no matter what they've done, and in all areas of their life, in relationships, uh, in finances, just in all areas. So that is just a passion for me. And while I've been walking alongside people that are in recovery, Recovery, there's certain things that I've learned. And one thing I've learned is that we are all in recovery. There is no them and us in recovery. It's not them and it's not us. We are all going through things. We are all on a journey. We are all on this, this process, this path of recovery. And I really believe that most of the things that I've learned, and I've had the privilege of walking alongside some amazing people, is that it's those people that have taught me. I remember I was doing a, um, a group of work with a group of women in prison, and they said to me, how comes you know so much about drugs and what goes on in the streets? Did you used to be a drug user? And I was like, no, I wasn't, but I actually learnt from people that know. The people that have been so-called my clients have been my teachers, and I've just been really privileged in that. The other thing that I've learned is that the only lasting transformation is when it's got God at the centre. And I've got so many testimonies that I could be up, have you here all day telling you testimonies of where I've seen God at the centre of people's transformation. But I've got one story to share 
and the person I'm talking about has given me permission to share this story. So I was working uh, with a young woman. She was in her mid-twenties, and she'd been trafficked into this country. Um, she'd been trafficked in for the purpose of horrific purposes. Um, when I met her, she was in a really bad situation. She was living out on the streets. She was using drugs. She was working as a prostitute. Times were really hard. And she came, and we did some work together in the recovery. And do you know what? I saw God pick her up and turn her around, put her in a washing machine, spin her around. And I saw complete transformation of this woman. She moved away and went to a recovery, a Christian-based recovery centre. Someone else that was working with me bumped into her at um, the big church day out. They were standing at the front. Someone came bounding over, tapped them on the shoulder. And when they turned around, it was this woman who said, hi, guess what? I'm here with my youth group that I lead. That is amazing transformation. And I just feel privileged that God gave me the opportunity to take some of those steps with that person. The other thing I've learned is there's no recovery without prayer. But that, that I've got so many, so many different things to talk about that, that that is another preach, Matt, <laughs> for another time. Now I'm up here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, going on to what I'm talking about. So I love reading the Psalms. I actually, absolutely love reading the Psalms, which are, they, the Psalms are a book in the Bible containing poems, songs and prayers that can be read, sung and um, meditated on. So um, when I started studying the Bible, it was the Psalms that really, when I started studying the Bible for myself, it was the Psalms that really stood out to me. They really drew me in and they gave me real revelation about how much God loves me and about how powerful and immense God is. So I love reading the New Testament but I, and learning about um, Jesus' ministry and it moving forward in me, forward in my ministry. Um, I just love the New Testament, but it's the Psalms that I turn to when things are hard. It's the Psalms that I turn to when things are good. It's the, it's the Psalms that I turn to when people are driving me crazy, and it's the Psalms that I turn to when people are loving me. So, uh, yeah, I just want one Psalm that is particularly, particularly dear to my heart and has got me through so many hard times is Psalm 91, where it talks about that God is our rock and our refuge and that we can turn to him and that he protects us. But I just was going to read here verses 14, 15 and 16 from the NIV version of the Bible. It says, because he loves me, he, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in times of trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. How amazing are those promises from God? How secure do we feel when we read those promises from God? So when I was reading the Psalms, I then became very curious about David, the man who wrote many of the Psalms. Um, quick uh, history of David. So uh, he was a young shepherd. Uh, he became a well-known and loved as a musician. He uh, later kills an enemy called Goliath, which is a story in the Bible, which if you grew up going to Sunday school, you'll, you'll always know the story of David of Goliath. David actually um, killed Goliath with a slingshot and a prayer, uh, praying to God. So uh, 
He was so favoured by the king at that time because he had, he had killed this enemy and saved um, the country. So he was um, yeah, really favoured. But unfortunately, as his journey went on, he actually, he actually became competition to the king and the king then mistrusted him. But later on in David's journey, he does become king. So David was anointed by God to become king. He was highly blessed, but he was also a very, very flawed individual. Some of the things that he did, this is while he was anointed by God, was that adultery, murder and betrayal, just to name a few. So one of the things about reading the Psalms is you can feel quite good, what David writes, you can feel quite good about yourself, about the things that you're doing. Um, so yeah, but also during, he suffered severe anxiety, he suffered severe depression, and he had very, self, uh, very low self-esteem, and at times had crippling guilt. But this, it was while these things were going on that he actually wrote the Psalms, while he was doing it. So when, and he, when, who of us have not experienced all of those feelings and all of those things? So during my life and times that were good and bad, actually reading what somebody else is going through and how they put God at the centre and how he healed and recovered them, have covered him from those things has just been a great inspiration to me. Uh, God called um, David a man after his own heart. When I first read that, I wanted to be that person. I wanted to be that person because my, my understanding was actually not quite right. What I, what I saw by that was like he was God's favourite and I wanted to be God's favourite. I was looking at it more from a sibling rivalry point of view, I think, from growing up. But what he actually meant by that was how God put him in the centre, how David lived, that no matter what he was going through, that God was at the centre and he never lost faith in God, however hard it was. So then I got the opportunity, I got asked, moving on in my journey, I got asked if I would be part of starting a faith-based recovery centre. So the opportunity to write my own recovery programme, uh, which I'd always wanted to do. So even, but even though it was something that I'd always wanted to do, I was like, I can't do this, I can't do this. Uh, am I a good enough Christian? Uh, am I good enough at praying? Will I be able to, in this faith-based world, would I be able to pray with people? Um, do I know the Bible enough? Am I good enough? Am I've got enough knowledge about Scripture? So all these thoughts came into my mind. And what I decided to do, take a leaf out of David's book, and I would pray and meditate on it and see how it goes. If this was where I meant to be, God would show me that this is what I was meant to do. One of the did. did things that I did think was, David, you have not run a recovery centre, so where do I look in general over this? But as always with scripture, when you read scripture and when you look at scripture, your situation appears. <laughs> the Bible might have been written all those many years ago, but those situations that we're in, there they are. And that's um, when, I, when I found this scripture... So I found this scripture talking, and it was at a time talking about when um, King Saul, who was the king I've talked about, was actually trying to kill David. So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander 
about 400 men were with him. And when I really looked at that, the word Adalim, which is the name of the cave, means justice of the people or a retreat. So I think David may have had a recovery centre. Uh, when I looked into that, at this time, David had been anointed by God to be king, but he'd not been appointed. Now, King Saul, who was king at the time, was actually had moved completely away from God. And the life that the people that he was ruling were living was absolutely horrific. Um, people were, there was no money, there was no finances, and it was just a horrific place to be. And Saul was really jealous of David because he knew that he was competition for, um, for being king. And he actually tried to kill David three times. So David was not in a good place when he went to this cave. Um, David had, but David had good, God's favour on him. And he knew, he knew, he had no doubt that he had God's favour on him in this difficult time with someone trying to kill him. Um, and also, David had something that we can all learn from, that he had patience. He knew that what he was waiting for would come at the right time and the best time for it to come. So I think that's a lesson that we can all learn about patience. Um, so at this time, when David went to the cave, he was hiding, he was a fugitive, he was an outlaw. So he was literally in the worst of circumstances, in fear for his life. But during this time, he was faithful to God. During this whole time, he was faithful to God. But it's verse 2 that really stands out to me because what it talks about is the people that came to join David in the cave, they were discontented, they were distressed, and they were in debt. So discontented and distressed might not seem something that we would, the words that we would use now, but actually that is the thing that we, things that we are all going through, things that we may have been through in the past, things that we're going through now, and things that we may go through in the future. I think those words can cover all the sorts of things like depression, financial situations, relationship situations, and debt. All those things that can make life seem so hard and make life seem that there is no hope and there is no future. But in David... These people saw a hope for a future. They saw something better in him and they followed him to a cave. And while they were in the cave, what David did was he took this 400, 400 people and he made them into an amazing, amazing army. He disciplined them and he, gave, he looked after them and he gave them a hope for their future. In those times... People who, men who were in the army, because it was men who were in the army at those times, they were from young, they were brought up to be in the military, they were indoctrinated to be in the military. These men that, that David made into this amazing army did not have that background at all. They didn't have that background. And what he did was he picked them up and he totally changed their lives around. It's absolutely amazing. So I think that what this verse really shows us, that our worst situation is better to others, can be seen better to others than their own situation. Sometimes the needs of others outweigh the things that we need ourselves. So I'm looking at this and I'm looking at kingdom living. Kingdom living is slightly on its head. It's not the same way that maybe out in the world thinks, uh, thinks about things. Recovery can look very different in kingdom living. 
So through no fault of your own, you could be in a situation where, or a circumstance where you are calling for help. You're calling to God and you're calling for help. You, you, really, need some, you really need something to move you on from your situation. And what does God do? God sends you someone to help. God sends you someone to support. So that is, that's, that your friends don't understand it. Your friends might realise that you're in a re- really bad situation and say, well, why are you helping someone else? Why are you dumb, doing something else? But that is living the kingdom way. But not all the time is that right for us because there's obviously times when we need to heal ourselves and we maybe can't look after other people or do things for other people because we can't have what we can't we can't give out what we haven't got ourselves. But there is times when that when it is there to step out to help someone else. We need to put boundaries about that. I don't think God ever asks us to totally give up our lives just for other people because He wants everyone to have an abundant life. And the helper and the healer, too, needs to have an abundant life, too. So it's not about, you know, you giving up everything to help someone else. It's alongside what you're doing. So in these times when God sends someone for us, that's when our cave, maybe our cave when we're really in the darkness, becomes another person's recovery. How amazing is that? So in the world... In the world, it can be a really selfish place and we are actually encouraged culturally to maybe look after number one, get what we can for ourselves. But we can, as people of faith, we can actually live differently because we have a promise from God in this situation. So I'm going to read Psalm 41, another psalm here. You can tell how much I love the psalms. Um, Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. The Lord protects and preserves them. They are counted among the blessed in the land. He does not give them over to the desires of their foes. What an amazing promise. What an amazing promise that is. And also at the end where he says he does not give them over to the desires of their foes. There is a reality in life that sometimes people are not there for the best of us. But God is there at all times protecting us. We talked about it in Psalm 91. He is our rock and our refuge. And here in Psalm 41, blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. So I just wanted to bring this to an end really and to say that some of you today have been discouraged, disillusioned, frustrated or hurt by situations in your life. You may be thinking that you need someone to come and help you recover but yeah today recovery in a cave I'm just looking at something different. In your dark times when you feel like you need someone to help you recover the reality may be for you that you might need to help someone else recover. Now, I don't know what that looks like because it can look individual for someone else. It may be an individual person. It can just be sending someone a text when they're going through a bad time. It may be doing some volunteering and going out into the community. We've got lots of things in the community in Hitchin. Um, CO do lots of things in the community. It may be doing something like that. It may be just doing the coffee because you don't know that when you do the coffee, you might be the person that is welcoming to someone that you give a cup of coffee to that can really change their situation. 
So when, while you are doing something else, supporting someone else in their recovery, um, when you're just supporting someone else, just wait until you see what God does for you while you're doing that. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Claire, for sharing. Can we have the band back up? Why don't we just, we're just going to take a moment just to pray as the band come back up and then we're going to sing again. If you feel comfortable, why don't you just close your eyes where you're sitting? Because we believe here that, that what we're sharing here is what Claire's just shared is more than just amazing human words. These are words and a message that's come from God for us today. And we believe that God is speaking to some of you today, that there'll be things that as Claire was speaking, words that she said that have really caught something in you. Or maybe one of the verses that she read has something's caught in your heart. So we want to just take a moment to say to God, what, what are you saying to me? So just as you've got your eyes closed, you might want to hold your hands out. We do that here. It's symbolic of saying, God, we're ready to receive whatever you want to say to us today. And I'm just going to take a moment to pray. So Father God, we thank you so much for the word that Claire's shared with us today. Thank you for her willingness to step out in that. Lord God, we thank you that you are a God that turns human wisdom upside down, that you use the weak to change the world, that you create an army out of broken people, that whoever we are this morning, whatever our story is, whatever our journey is, you can use us, that this isn't a story, a, a world of hero or zero, black or white, success or failure, but you look at us all and you see good things you see potential, you see possibility. So Father God, we just pray right now the gentle nudge of your spirit to each and every person here this morning for whatever it is that you're saying to them. What are you asking them to do? Which part of the world could they change? Who could they make a difference to today? Father God, we pray you inspire and refresh each and every person here. In Jesus' name, amen.